This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, have you noticed more gambling ads on the TV, particularly watching the sports? That's because they're on more than ever. Keith White, Executive Director of the National Council on Problem Gambling, helps us realize how rampant, unregulated gambling is in Canada, how it's just deeply threaded into everything that we do, how it takes advantage of Canadians, and how you may not even realize that you've been gambling without knowing it. Video games, apps on your phone, plus, of course, the formal sports and so much more. And if you are struggling or know someone who's struggling, you can also go get yourself some help. This information is coming up. Plus, are you okay with twerking? And if you don't know what it is, you will also find out on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you okay with twerking? Yeah, I just Booty can't clap. get my form right. I just can't get my form oh, down. Oh, dear God. I just can't do it. <laughs> that actually kidding. just, after your video of uh, <laughs> dancing on TikTok and losing your glasses and getting them smashed, I literally I, just right there, it flashed in my mind, and now I've pictured it. Well, that's your own fault. No, I cannot oh, twerk. Uh, I respect anybody. But you've tried. Of course I've tried. Oh, Everybody God. my age has tried it. It just hasn't really? worked. Yeah. Everybody? Oh, yeah. Everybody? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, go to the Cowboys set at Stampede. You'll see it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, twerking is a dance that involves a lot of hips and booty. It's kind of like wiggling up and down so your butt cheeks flap about. Safe to say. Reasonable yep. description. Usually accompanied by very loud rhythmic music. But one woman who twerked on TikTok this weekend kind of blew up the internet. I don't think we should say that joke right now. I feel like that's a little too soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, Yeah, it is too soon. You're right. I should have given that a week. My apologies. Yeah, we should give a little time for those Rogers customers. (laughs) Sorry. Roger that. Sorry. (laughs) Well, what did you say, sorry? (laughs) Roger that. that. (laughs) (laughs) We're here all week. Uh, Well, I'm not, but I'm off tomorrow. Well, the, the... Thanks. Um, anyway, this woman who was twerking on TikTok this weekend and caused a stir on the Internet is because she's a U.S. senator. The first term Democrat went viral for posting a TikTok video in which she was shown in a bikini at a beach doing a handstand and twerking, leading to days of debate on social media, whether it was an appropriate move for a sitting lawmaker. WPRI News sat down with her to chat about it. So I didn't really expect this to take off globally, um, and I did not expect it to become like a meme sensation, um, but I'm glad it sparked a lot of important conversations, and it's been able to uplift a lot of the causes that I care about. It's taken a long time and a lot of work to get women to stop being looked at for their bodies and, you know, looked at at their qualifications and professional roles, and they see you as you're an Ivy, edu- Ivy League educated woman in a, with, a, with a fairly powerful position. I know you tangle with leadership, but you're still a state senator, um, and say, you know, well, this, is ta- this can take us back because it could be, lead to more objectifying of women or bringing that back. What do you say to that specific concern? Yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting conversation. I've really loved to, like, dissect that. I've struggled with the idea that in order to be respected, I have to be fully clothed and buttoned up and i have to be performing in a way that is inauthentic to myself senator tiara max says she has no regrets and would still do it if she had the chance to go back which by the way can we just say that saying that in order to be respected she has to be you know buttoned up and covered up and everything else like that that's like saying by the way um because you are wearing a short skirt she asked for it like that's the most brutal thing that you could ever say about that you know just because somebody goes dancing on the beach and they had stand in a bikini doesn't mean it doesn't mean that they're asking for anything or it doesn't mean they're losing any respect now there i would say that if you are in public eye and you want to be known for your professional life then share your accolades in your professional life and maybe not share your personal things privately maybe consider sharing those personal things uh personal things privately um, if you want the conversation to be about your professional life, not your personal life. But last time I checked, you're allowed to go dancing and you're also allowed to go to the beach, even if you work in a suit in the daytime. 
Yeah. So you know what else is I thought like I think the 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 context of what she's doing is important. Like if she had posted a video of her incredibly you know drunk with a bunch of friends at the club and posted a drunk twerking thing, like that would come off a little juvenile. Like that's what you know kids my age are doing and stupid and you know it's silly. But she did that in a you know in her own setting by herself on a beach of sound mind she decided and went through that she was okay sharing that and so i mm -hmm. i don't think there's any problem at all and it showed a little bit of a fun human side which i can tell you right now my generation we do not like a lot of politicians because they all seem really robotic and very mm -hmm. unlikable and unrelatable and it sounds silly but something like twerking and just showing that you're okay dancing and having some fun on a beach that resonates that does in a weird yeah. really weird way well, I do disagree from the perspective that I would rather hear someone who's going to represent me politically uh, spend their time convincing me that they're going to be good for me politically. I don't care if we're a good dancer or a bad dancer in politics. So, you know, I don't necessarily agree with you on that one, right? Just only because of the fact that that shouldn't be what convinces me, in my opinion, of a vote. But some people have said that the clip has been viewed over 100,000 times. One comment in the video said, I'd vote for you if we lived in the same state. We need more people closer to our age making decisions. And that look like us. Do you, sis, live your life? Now, the express self-expression of dancing and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Go shake your thing. Like, have fun. I think that's stupid. But I think that I think you have to do this with the expectation of what do you want to be known for? And um, it is possible that your video about my stand for kindness in the good place of kind things is one stand you could be known for. Or, hey, by the way, um, you got the great booty clap um, could be the other thing you'll be known for. And which one's going to help you succeed? If you're not doing it to help yourself succeed in life and all the things, then that's it. But it also is her prerogative to dance on a beach and fulfill succession in her life as she wants to see fit so that part to me is I, like give her I, I don't know if it's the recipe for success as a senator i would say you know i don't know if that builds the kind of things you want to build but maybe it does so go do your thing it's your job you get to do what you want to do also she said i've struggled with the idea that in order to be respected i have to be fully clothed and buttoned up and i have to be performing in a way that is inauthentic to myself absolutely I don't think that you should have to go to a uh, big, super fancy restaurant and not order French fries because you're with a bunch of rich people. And I've heard this yeah. before. Don't order French fries because you're eating dinner with a bunch of rich people. Yeah, but I want French fries. Right. So usually you see the little old people like the old men and women that have already been through all the affluence before. And then they sit down at those those fundraisers or whatever. And they're like. Come on, let's get some French fries, me and you. These people are dumb. They're spending their money on stupid <laughs> things, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think that it qualifies for all those things. Um, you know, good for her. It's her thing. Whatever. I don't know. I'm pretty uh, rather modest that way, though. I don't share a lot of my personal life online. Maybe it's the nature of my job. I would say that my job's not a whole lot different than her job in that, you know, call me prude. But that's all right. Everyone's love their perspective, so she. Okay, are you okay with? Uh, text, by the way, this is kind of silly, but not inappropriate. She wasn't breaking any laws or harming anybody. Have at it. I agree. Exactly. I agree with that. Are you okay with quitting a job? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I've done it a few times. <laughs> a few times I've mm. done it. Brendan's a master yeah. at it, yeah, actually. Yeah, Brendan. Every once in a while. Do you have any words of wisdom? Uh, I have. Uh, Do you want a pen, right? Yeah, I was going to no, say. No, I don't think we have enough time left in the show for me to go through <laughs> the various ways that I How to quit. quit your job by Brendan Kelly. There's so many Kelly. different ways that it's been done. Um, the best quit ever was the pull the emergency slide on the airplane and jump out. Yeah. That was the best one ever. No, I, but, I never did that. Well, let's just say no. I, I'm thinking maybe when I leave this one, I might twerk my way out the door. Uh-huh. Handstanding, yeah. though. You have to Very handstand. Good. Yeah. On your hands. Um, yeah, no, you know what? You get to the point where and the phrase that we learned last week from Charlotte here on The Shift, which is we borrow our people from their lives as employers. That's really stuck with me for the last bunch of days, right? Like, is my is my job borrowing me from my life or am I borrowing time from my job to have a life? 
So yeah, sometimes you have to reevaluate if your job is working for you. I think that that's an important thing for people to do. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has had a hell of a term in office, and now that that hell is almost over because he resigned last week and will leave the PM office in the fall. His government was plagued with scandals, and it was such a mess that it looked like a scene from a TV show at times. A TV show without a hair person, because that was always an adventure. Yeah, that may be why people were blasting a classic TV show theme outside uh, 10 Downing Street right before he made his quitting announcement. Lucky for us, it was captured on live TV during an interview just before it was turned off. I guess my question to you uh, this morning is, do you accept that Boris Johnson can can carry on as a caretaker leader until the autumn? uh, Or do you think that he does actually need to step aside and let someone else do that? Well, I think there are a couple of things. Firstly, we need to make sure that we keep the basic functions of government going. Uh, That's really important. There are, for example, uh, no ministers in DfE at the moment. That needs to be sorted out. Uh, Secondly, I think we need to try and select a new leader as quickly as we reasonably can. And obviously, uh, we need to make sure we make make the correct choice, uh, but we should do it in a reasonably quick time. Okay. (laughs) I love how they speak about things. That was from Sky News. That song was the theme of the Benny Hill Show. Add to the fun of the absolute mess, Madame Tussaud. Uh, the Wax Museum joined in on the fun, too. They have their wax figures of all the people, and they updated its display of the Prime Minister's office at number 10 Downing Street with a vacancy sign. The employees then moved the wax sculpture of Boris Johnson to an unemployment office. That statue was unveiled in 2009. Who, okay, um, game showy time. Who told them to play the Benny Hill Show at 10 Downing Street. There was one person who did, who suggested it and encouraged the public to do it. Who was it? In oh. Echo. oh, I have no idea. Uh, Theresa May, maybe? Mm-mm. Hugh Grant. Oh, no way. Wow. Yeah, it was Hugh Grant. Oh, Hugh Grant. Yeah, that was his idea. It's all over the news, all over everywhere, that it was Hugh Grant that encouraged British demonstrators to blast the Benny Hill theme song. They showed up, and they absolutely did it. So oh, there you I'll go, Hugh Grant. Yeah. He did it. This is the Shift Podcast. Now, I know everybody who listens to the Shift regularly might be getting sick of me talking about Ireland. I went to Ireland. My, my guest right now is Keith. Keith, I went to Ireland and the Irish Derby was on. And it was an amazing experience too. I didn't go to the Irish Derby, but I was in a pub, of course, as you would yes. in Ireland. And I was I was taken by this tiny little room, and I want you to imagine like rotten old pub, tiny little room. Actually, had a set of stairs that just went to the ceiling. They didn't actually go anywhere. It was that old. And in the corner was a tiny little fireplace that was burning coal to keep it warm. It was in Galway, and there was three guys sitting in that room. It was very small. And they weren't talking to each other and they were watching the TV. And it was an old tube CRT TV. Like it was not like a a new TV. And it was an old pub. And so we're sitting there and these guys are uh, just sitting there quietly watching the race. And I said, leaned over to the one guy, I said, so do you bet on this stuff? And he's like, yeah, I have a little money in it. I was like, okay. um, Is it legal betting? Like, is it an app? Like, how do you do it here? I'm not from here. And he said, oh, he says, oh yeah, you can, you do it online and, um, or you can go to the bookie down the street. And that caused me to reflect to the more traditional, I mean, Irish gambling and horse races is a long time oh, yeah. history lesson oh, yeah. that you can <laughs> go back right to the mob. But the um, it, it struck me that how he, when he said you can go to the bookie down the street. And then I thought back to the NHL playoffs, Keith, uh, and I thought about this constant bombardment of gambling ads that we have today. Keith is with the National Council on Problem Gambling. You've been there for a long time and gambling can be fun. Yes. I like that. I like uh, going out golfing and doing $2 KPs on the golf course and that kind of fun stuff, right? But this instant slot machine mentality that we're seeing today has caused us concern. We complained about it during the NHL playoffs here in our conversations on the shift. And Ryan O'Donnell brought up just yesterday a conversation about a video game that you, in order to win the game, it's the total calculation that somebody did on it was $500,000 Yes, to get there. Yeah. Half a million dollars. And some of the pay, online pay YouTube gamers... To pay to win. That's the, and, yeah, that's uh, the euphemism. 
that's the thing, right? And and some of these online gamers got to like fifteen grand and they gave up and said this is a scam. <laughs> so with all of that cause to why we're here having this conversation, um, how about the state of gambling today? And maybe just get your thoughts in general about what seems to be a tsunami of problems that are coming our way. Well, I think. Shane, so there's there's a there's a lot here that, that we can explore, but I think one way to frame it is that gambling until fairly recently in North America was um, tacitly approved of, but never publicly encouraged. And so, you know, you North Americans, you know, we 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 tended to we tend to be risk takers, right? And that's that's good. That's part of our DNA. Um, but it, but it wasn't necessarily endorsed by government. It wasn't sponsored by the leagues. It wasn't seen as a uh, social and societal good. In the last 10 years, especially, and, and even the past five years, that's changed. And so now, like you said, it's not just in your face. The, the, the public acceptance has, has changed. The uh, societal acceptance has changed. The commercial acceptance has changed. The, the sporting industry's um, done a 180. And then you have the introduction of uh, all sorts of digital payments, uh, the, the merging, the gamblification of uh, things like trading. And so there's just a tremendous amount of social change around gambling. And then you also have technological change around gambling. And it, it creates, I think, I think public opinion approves of gambling when we think about traditional ways, you know, bingo and single game sports betting and, you know, placing your mm -hmm. bet on Tuesday and waiting until Sunday for the game to play. Now you can place thousands of bets uh, within a particular game. You know, you're going to be able to get odds on whether or not um, someone's slap shot is going to be over a certain miles per hour, mm -hmm. uh, kilometers per yeah, hour. Yeah, I said know. last night, is Austin Matthews going to win this face off? Two bucks, poof. Yeah. yeah, and and that, you're like you say, that is rapid high stakes, high stakes um, gambling. Uh, that no one ever has had access to, uh, frankly, in the world, uh, because now you can you can put that not on the game you're watching now, uh, you can put it on a, a game being played in Russia. You know, there, there's now 24 hours of sports every day of the year, and you can then and heck you can play it on fantasy. You know, it doesn't yeah. even have to be a real game. You can even bet on esports, which is betting on video games. So that's all. That's that's a long long way of saying that everything about gambling has shifted in our culture there are some benefits to normalization it, it does take gambling addiction out of the shadows but it also may increase the risks of gambling addiction because so many more people are now going to engage in gambling in a way they didn't beforehand you just look at credit and debt levels in this country and then you can see that we're not great with money to begin with so this is probably something we shouldn't mess with so i um I, 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 this, there's, this is such a big conversation. I mean, Keith, we need to be able to uh, try to drill it down into a couple of spots. And sure. I think that we're going to need to approach this over time. But, um, you know, there, there are some problematic things. Uh, let's leave video games for now because my biggest thing with video games is, uh, especially gambling on video games, video games are a scripted outcome. I mean, they are a designed scripted outcome. Somebody wrote that storyboard and it's there. So somebody already knows the outcome. So gambling on video games to me becomes wildly dangerous because even though somebody is interacting with the game, the outcome is still scripted. So that's a whole other uh, yes. can of worms, um, <laughs> right? But yet people are betting on it. So, but then we get into sports and these these one touch and these these quick ones that we see. Not a lot different than the uh, stock shorts that have always been there. I mean, the right. stock market's always been essentially world's, world's white largest casino. Gambling. That's right. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, we can, we can, and, and we, you know, North Americans, we get hung up on whether or not gambling is, or investing is virtuous, but gambling is yeah. bad. And we see it right. on a continuum. Of course there's risk. And, and it depends on how and why you trade, how and why you gamble, how much you're betting, how much you're investing, you know, what, what your risk tolerance is. But yeah, absolutely. We, we see stockbrokers um, who come in all the time with gambling problems. They they meet yeah. clinical criteria for gambling addiction, uh, and they, right. they they don't go to a blackjack table. They don't do any of that. So yeah, there's there's again normalization of gambling removes some of these moral labels and judgments, but it also and it allows us to consider more broadly this risk taking yeah. behavior and say you know it's it's not necessarily what your what the legal definition is. It's how it makes you feel uh, emotionally, psychologically, yeah. and are you are you really investing on a on a sure thing or are you chasing your losses? 
you know, are you investing because you're depressed and stressed or are you yeah. gambling for just entertainment? Well, desperate because you need to make some extra money because yeah. you overspent somewhere and that, that becomes very scary. Now, are we trying to swim up the waterfall here <laughs> when we've got a government that will data dump on a Friday afternoon so it doesn't affect markets. I mean, the governments and politicians are constantly trying to time when they release things and not in order to not affect markets, right? So they data, and, and let's call it what it is, is that the government will release information on a Friday afternoon because most markets will be closed through the course of the weekend, most impactful, and then people have chance to sort it out, pontificate, go through all the things, and then by Monday, kind of settles, might inflame, kind of settles by Monday, less impactful on the market. And as long as you don't piss off the rich folks, then the politicians get to keep their jobs, right? <laughs> I mean, so if this is like manipulation of all this is rampant everywhere. Yes. And I'm not talking about good research. I'm not talking about researching company X because you know that typically the current president of that company usually moves on every five years, kind of like a five-year project manager. You do your research, you're on year four, you know that something's probably going to happen based on a bunch of reasonably studied research and data that that allows you to make money on those scenarios. My buddy Bob is running the company. I trust Bob. I'll invest in the company. Nothing wrong with that. Yep. So this, like, it, it, I think that I'm saying all those things because I want people to realize how deeply embedded risk assessment and gambling is in every aspect of our lives. And I would say to your point, there's even more manipulation of data and information in the gambling market uh, because there are in many ways far fewer rules around it. So, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of disclosure requirements around stock trading things. Yeah, Sorbonne's um, Oxley and all those things. Yeah, yeah. You you look at the amount of information that's circulating on the NBA draft. One ESPN analyst's tweet moved the markets, uh, you know, quote unquote, cost betters millions of dollars. And as you said before, the NBA draft, this is scripted. This is, there's not a random number generator here. You know, this is, this is information. There's a lot of non-public information available and the transparency around gambling odds. Uh, as we move into these exotic bets, these, these, you know, the, the, the odds of the slap shot going over hundred miles an hour, that is information that, that is unknown to the public. And in the 30 seconds you have to make that bet, there's very little time for you to, to actually look that up. So I would argue that the amount of information slash mis misinformation, manipulation of data is even more rife in the gambling space than even in the stock market trading space. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that. My biggest disappointment with hockey. I love hockey. That's my sport. So uh, forgive me. You can translate it to most other sports uh, if you like soccer or something like that. But my mo biggest thing that, that I want to call out in this, because I do like to expose what's going on. People are like, yeah, they got these new technologies. So you can see how hard that slap shot is. They're not doing that for you to see the uh, 94 mile an hour snapshot by Kale McCarr. You're not, which was actually legitimately amazing, by the way. <laughs> um, but it's impressive to us, but it's actually there to bait you into thinking that you know how hard those shots are going to be. That information has been included in the broadcast because the gambling sites want it there. They yes. want it there so you can figure it out or bet on it and find out. And there's your evidence because it's on the screen how hard it was. So that stuff is there for a reason. And the face-off percentages used to be there because they were a big part of the hockey game. Now, here's the thing. And this very much disappoints me. And I hope that sports broadcasters are listening to this. You are you are failing the integrity of the game when your pontification is not about the game, not about the players and their successes. You are failing the game when you drift off into, well, they've got, you know, they've got two to one odds or the underdog now. You are, you are not a sports broadcaster anymore. You're a gambling broadcaster. And there are some high-profile Canadian broadcasters um, that have been in, obviously encouraged by the business people to do this. And I'm a capitalist, first mm -hmm. of all. Sure. I mean, everyone yeah. needs to know that. Um, and so, but integrity. And some of, these, the, some of these folks are friends, and some of them are talking about the integrity around the game. And some of them are starting to talk about odds and betting and um, bring those into the hockey conversation. I find that dangerous because it shifts it. I feel like we're going backwards in time to the Coliseum, right? <laughs> and, That's a great, and we're going back yeah. to we're going back to bullfights and sword fights back in the day and everybody's you know we're going to turn into this gigantic um gluttonous orgy of betting that we you know that we we saw in uh, in the history books so i 
the, the sports broadcasters that continue to talk about the sport, good for you. I feel like we need to declare the gambling broadcasters are just gambling broadcasters. They're bookies. Yeah. And I think, and I will say, you you ain't seen nothing yet. So, uh, Ugh, you know, that's there, not good news. there is, yeah, there is going to be a surge uh, in Canada, around the world. And the, right now there's, there's some evidence, especially within sport and broadcasting with, within sport of odds, you know, during the game the promotional role now of media, um, there, it generates a backlash. So the UK is, is recently cracked down. Uh, Australia led the way, um, you know, rugby matches were um, dominated by gambling commentary. You know, they, you know, you took 15 minutes out of the halftime break to talk about all the odds and randomness at halftime. Um, it generated considerable public backlash, um, partly because at the end of the day, the gambling industry is not interested in your favorite team or your favorite player. They're interested in making the money on, on the middle. On the VIG, you know, the 10% that they, they keep of each bet. So it, it, it turns- Yeah, and they make it per bet. They don't care if you win or lose. They do not the care way. if they, you win or lose. And actually they they enjoy and they appreciate when people believe they perceive they have skill. Um, because those people who perceive they have skill uh, in their betting are likely to bet more and bet more frequently and bet more money. And at the end of the day, of course, if that if the book is anywhere near competent, they've balanced the, the, the line. You know, they, they, so they're making their 10% and they've got just as many people on one side of that bet as they do on the other. So it, it, it changes. I think you're right. It, it commodifies sport. It commodifies athletic performance in a way that I grew up rooting for my team. You know, I grew up rooting for my country if it was a national team event. Now it's all about rooting against my favorite player because I think I've got an edge on the line, on the speed of his slap shot yeah. and having no real way to analyze that information that I'm given in a very short time frame. You know, is 94 miles an hour typical, atypical? You know, is that, is he injured? Is he da da da? You know, there's, um, I think the average better um, is is disadvantaged by the amount of information because much, much of it is either not predictive or not, um, it has no bearing on that particular well, there's no standard on the data. Yeah. There's no standard anywhere that says, by the way, all of the last 100 slap shots we're doing to you <laughs> were recorded by a standardized radar gun that were, right. you know, tested to these specs before every single uh, whistle. And th- I mean, there's no standard to it. If you get if you get a speeding ticket, you know, there are a series of things in court that that gun has to be tested. It has to be every day and all those things, um, you know, to check your speed. There are standards to that. There are no standards here. And there's nothing to say that an organization couldn't manipulate data inaccurately to do it. Sure. And and further to that, I would go as far as to video games are typically prescripted, but as the as the cloud and, and active programming and all those things become more and more popular, there's no saying there can't be someone in the background manipulating the storyline of the of the game anyway, right? Like, yep. well, we got let's stretch out ten more minutes because we're going to get a hundred thousand more bets and we make a buck a bet, right? Like, all of these things are there. We saw what happened in basketball years ago oh, with yes. the referees, mm-hmm. and that became you know incredibly damaging on the brand of basketball the, the, but now we're actively chasing it we're actively doing it so it's it's incredibly scary and we can bitch and moan about it i guess for hours and hours and hours and i'm all for some good betting yes all for it yeah, like, we're, we're I neutral on legalized gambling it's yeah like you yeah said, how and why you do it if you want to place a flutter on a on, on the game on the on the stanley cup playoffs that's great do it within your means know how to gamble responsibly you know, take, take, take precautions. And, you know, there's a lot of discussion now about now that gambling's expanded, now that, now that there's a lot more risk available, how do we better equip ourselves as a society, as a, as a mm-hmm. country, as, 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 you know, parents um, on how to do it a little bit more responsibly, because that's the ingredient that's been missing. You know, we, well, we now the- have betting. We just don't, we still don't talk about it and, and protect like we would have that conversation with alcohol. I imagine it, it totally. I always say, uh, you know, change, uh, change the topic, change the clarity, right? <laughs> so imagine this. Okay, let's leave gambling for a second and imagine. By the way, um, everybody can now afford a private helicopter. Mm-hmm. Now you can go buy one for five thousand bucks or three thousand bucks because they have something's happened in technology. They're cheaper. You and I, Keith, we can go have our own helicopters. We can take them off from the back deck here and we can fly to work. So, and the government's like, perfect. It's a safe helicopter. All right, great. By the way, uh, they haven't upgraded air traffic control. No one took their pilot's license. Um, No one knows where to go. There's no rules in the sky of proximity. There's no beacons to know where the other helicopters are. Do you think that's going to go well? 
It's not. And I feel like that's what's happened here is that they've they've allowed everybody access to it. But the government doesn't seem prepared to um, protect on the other end of it. I think that's a um, beautifully perfect analogy. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And so what do we need to be aware of? Because obviously this gets ugly. And I'm sure that you have very much seen the ugly on the other end of this when it does go sideways. It is. It, it, gambling addiction can be tragic and it, it can affect a whole range of people. And we'll talk about that. But I think one of the things you your listeners need to think about is, you know, who, who benefits? And in this case, government, which is, as you say, traditionally the protector of, of public health, uh, is in this case, and especially through gambling in Canada, these are crown corporations, right? They are profiting from uh, gambling and frankly, profiting from people with gambling problems. Uh, the leagues who were traditionally um, opponents of legalized gambling uh, in the United States in 2018, they made a complete about face, are now the leading um, proponents of legalized gambling on their sports. It's it's so dangerous. It was so dangerous that it needed to be prohibited. And now it's so dangerous, it only should be uh, controlled by the leagues. And so mm-hmm. who is, as you say, who's protecting the, the little guy? You know, who's, who's protecting the consumer? Um, if you can't trust government, if you can't rely on the leagues, um, and, and I do think it comes to NGOs. Uh, I think it comes to, you know, kind of individual, it's, it's caveat impetor. And again, we're, we're all capitalists here, but mm-hmm. the amount of information that's on one side of that equation, the amount the industry knows about you, the amount of money, the, 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 the huge data analytics they're, they're giving um, or you're giving them versus your individual knowledge of how fast slap shots uh, go and, and not knowing that, you know, the more you bet, the more likely you are to lose rather than win yeah the 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 the, there's an ace there's an asymmetry there between the individual better and these massive gambling companies and the leagues that that enable them that i think is gonna be very difficult for some folks suicide is really it right yeah that's that's, really the the ultimate ultimate, of the ugly yep and ultimate ugly people with gambling problems feel a unique desperation because um the majority of americans at least and this is probably true in canada uh see gambling addiction as a moral weakness not a medical disorder. And many people with gambling problems don't seek help because why would you go to a, a counselor or your, your physician for moral weakness? Yeah. Uh, you know, and so in the United States, at least, there's a lack of services available. There, there's shame and misunderstanding and stigma because we've done really well at helping people understand substance abuse is it's this chemical that interacted badly with your brain and it may have helped lead you to do things that you didn't intend. Um, Gamblers don't have that explanation, that excuse, that that defense. You know, people that understand substance abuse will say, oh, well, there's no substance for the gambler. It's just, they're just immoral. They're bad gamblers. And so that that shame, that stigma, that lack of understanding, the, the lack of services results in a very, very high rate of suicidal behavior, especially as one big risk factor for gambling addiction is, is high impulsiveness, willingness mm-hmm. to take risk. You and I are both at higher risk because we're males in we take more risk. And so these, these factors all cluster together. But as you say, the ultimate, the ultimate consequence is, um, is, is self-destructive behavior, um, especially because the other thing I think that's salient that differs gambling addiction from substance abuse is that you can go on a bender maybe and lose a couple thousand dollars if you're drinking top shelf liquor or whatever. Um, that, that can be one hand. You know, there is no bankroll in the world, no amount of money in the world that can overdose a problem gambling. You can lose your entire life savings in a day, you know, in a bet. And the, the, that financial devastation can be harder than contemplating that your liver may fail 10 years ago because you, you drink too much, you know, because right. you've just lost your house today. And there's no way in this life you're going to get $15,000 you need to, you need in cash by tomorrow, except by gambling more. By gambling more. Or criminality. Or criminality, yeah. Um, so the, I mean, opioids and some of these pharmaceutical companies are starting to pay out, right? Because they marketed some of these in different ways. And then if you ever get into a conversation with um, some of the legalization folks, we have a guy that comes, his name's Garth Mullins, comes on the show all the time. And he always says, you know, if I could only trust that the supply was clean, we wouldn't see these kinds of deaths, right? And so I, I, I translate that directly to gambling because you can't trust that your information supply is clean. No. You're not doing the research. You're not researching the company and profits and product and pipeline of development, and you're not researching anything. You're trusting the information that you found on Twitter yeah. that someone says, by the way, this guy has got a hard slap shot. <laughs> like, so it is a poison supply, right? It's a po- it is a poison supply. I'm not saying everybody's bad in it. 
But I mean, you don't know. You don't know if you bought it in a back alley or if you, you you got your information off a bathroom stall for your trade or for your bet. Yeah. And, and I'm sorry. that lies on us, though, right? We got to be healthy enough to say, whoa. But at the same time, you know, the pickpocketing gets very scary because you can make those tiny little one death by a thousand cuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's so easy because nobody thinks they're, they're a skilled smoker. You know, I mean, if you smoke, you, you understand you're taking risk with your health and that's fine. You don't think that if I'm a better smoker than everybody else, I mm-hmm. you know I'm less likely to to get lung cancer. But that's very much the um, perspective that many gamblers have. Oh well, I used to play hockey. You know, I was I was a junior. You know, I played junior hockey. I played in the juniors. I know the game better than you, Shane. So if you say, mm-hmm. you know, your average slap shot is 94 miles an hour, I would say, ah, that's ridiculous. You know, I'm definitely mm-hmm. taking the under on that. Um, and it you know, may or may not be true. And you have no idea. And, you know, as you said before, who's collecting those stats? Uh, you know, is, is it, is it, is it, is it, all this stuff is subjective. The one thing I will say is that um, with this new revolution in data, everything that can be measured or monitored will be monetized. Um, and, but so many of those things are black, collected in black boxes and are di- then distributed in black boxes. The odds are made in black boxes. And so when they transmit uh, 10 to 1, that Shane is going to skate more than 20 miles an hour in the next period. You have no idea if the true odds for that are 5,000 to one, or if mm-hmm. that's, you know, if it's, if it's an even bet. Um, so it, there, again, that it, information asymmetry is, is really profound. And I think getting worse rather than, rather than better. Although paradoxically, there's much more information available, but it's less helpful for you to make an informed choice about your gambling. Well, you could have taken exactly what you just said and talked about real estate. Mm. You could have taken it, right? Because you have a bunch of real estate agents that get paid commissions that um, decide what the comparable prices are. They decide the value of your house and they stand to make money on the commissions. Exactly the same thing, right? You could say that about all kinds of different uh, used cars, new cars, all of it. What's the market willing to bear? And we don't have the money education in our history to take a stand on what those things are. That's why uh, you just nailed it. My my secret intention here uh, is that gambling is not just a slap shot. I mean, it is literally everywhere. We are gambling and the information flow can get compromised and poisoned and we would never know it. That's the thing. Yeah. That's what politics is today is the information gets poisoned. That's what Twitter is today. Uh, you know, as a broadcaster, I can say I used to, you know, we have a broadcast standards council I can be held into account to. And yet... In Canada, in the States, it's not the same. And then you look at Twitter. Now everyone's got a microphone and we've seen what happens with misinformation and poison. And I, I, I'm not even saying that the media gets it right all the time. No. Clearly, I was just banging on sports broadcasters. <laughs> so, you know, um, here's the thing. I don't think there's anything cooler than going to a golf course and do a closest to the pin competition for two bucks <laughs> or for a beer with your buddy and being able to buy your buddy a beer because they had an awesome shot and give them a high five. Way to go, Keith, dude, man, you killed me. Well done. Yep. You know, ha- enjoy your beer. The spirit of all that is what I, maybe I'm a pipe dreamer. I feel like I should sing a song now. Um, but that, that is, I want that. I want that in life. I want the high five, right? Yeah. I want the good work. And I, I don't mind speaking about odds about you know because people believe that this this person's going to win or that person's going to win you know two to one odds because they're the underdog okay but these like they're throwing out data and numbers you can't follow it there is nothing you can do to keep in touch with it it's very very dangerous and um maybe i guess i believe in the integrity you brought morality up (laughs) well and i I think um, there's something that's a tough one there's something really true in a casual bet with friends it's it's not commercialized it's not commoditized you're not odds-based betting you know most people are not probabilistic thinkers you know who you know is shane or keith gonna get closer to the pin that's a fun friendly casual wager um and it's, it's for small stakes it's it's about there are so many protective features about that your friend might say shane you, you, i'm not gonna bet you ten thousand dollars closest to the pin i'm gonna bet you two dollars you know but mm-hmm. um a, a commercial operator would be happy to take that and, and, and yeah. therein lies the difference. There's also, when we talk about this information, the other thing I want to point out to you and your listeners is the amount of um, what we're calling now dark nudges. You know, so you, you, if, if a gambling company, if you sign up for a gambling company or if they've got your social graph, they may know that you're a Flames fan, right? And so you're going to get 
likely customized push promotions to you, you know, directly to your right. phone. Um, yeah. You know, they're going to know. Because it knows everything I'm doing, yes. right? They know your favorite yeah. player. They know da da da. They know that you hate, um, you know, the, the Red Wings. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, so in that, it's that level of uh, personalized betting. Right now, most people get the same, the same odds. You know, the mm-hmm. bet's a bet. Um, what the industry is pushing hard on is personalized betting, where if you're a member of the Flames VIP Club, maybe you're only going to get special offers available to your, you, you know, your club's own betting partner. And mm-hmm. again, you have no idea if those odds are good or not. They may be preying on you because you're a fan. Uh, and that's all perfectly legal. They can, they can change the odds that they offer you. If you're willing to bet more than $100 a game, you might start to get preferential deals. I get rake mm. back and money back. Whereas if I'm a bezer that's only $5, hey, Keith, if you move up to the $25 level, you're going to get a better club seat or you get a merchandise or I'm going to get Patrick right. Kane's autograph. The, the amount of, and those are fairly obvious nudges, the amount of dark nudges that are out there too in, in terms of limit setting, you know, where you set your anchors, it's um, it's Orwellian in some mm-hmm. ways. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And it's very scary. I would go one step further. And the only way that I see this ending is a the government puts some caps or manages at least a monitor of the data. So uh, they know how much money is actually moving. Some of these companies aren't even Canadians. So they don't even report in the Canadian system the same way, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a whole other thing. Uh, then uh, further to that is that I, when the players find out that the NHL has made $3 billion extra dollars because of gambling. These guys that are getting um, concussed and beat up and broken bones for $2.5 million a year are going to have something to say about it. And the players associations uh, are going to have it want to cut. Yes. And they're going to either be like, share the money or stop the gambling. And it's not going to be stop the gambling. No, no, it's not. We've already so. seen that in the United States. So the, the, the players associations, uh, you know, traditionally, again, protectors of the health and welfare of, the, of their union members, uh, have are now taking cuts at these gambling deals with the leagues, and I don't think that I don't think that's inappropriate even, but it it it, it can compromise them, you know. Again, yeah. it can be that subtle shift, and uh, and the players themselves. I mean, we t- we've talked about we've touched on integrity a few times. If you know that your your club's own betting partner is offering odds on you getting a uh, ten minutes of the penalty box in a particular period. That's something mm-hmm. that the player can absolutely control. He can tell absolutely. his friends, "I'm going to go just take a, I'm going to go take a whack," you know. It gets, oh. yeah. And well, how about how about this? I'll add one more layer to that. If I get ten minutes in penalties this period, I'm going to sell four extra jerseys, and I get a cut of the jerseys yeah. because these fans are going to love it. If I go and I, you know, I'd go all <laughs> slap shot on them. Right. Trying to find a way, kind way to say that. Uh, And so and then now now they've gone and they've gotten into a fight or they beat somebody up because they knew that it's going to generate more popularity for uh, jersey purchases for their jerseys. Mm -hmm. Right now, it could inspire someone to score more goals. Sure. That'd be nice. I think that'd be great. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not going to be, um, you know, it's not necessary. The the low pick fruit is absolutely going to be there. Yeah. And so so you could see it snowball, right? Like it gets wildly out of control so incredibly quickly and there's been accusations of fixing in hockey there have been players that have been you know betting on the side and 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 who's to say i mean in trading there's blackout periods before annual and quarterly results come out inside companies so you can't have insider trading you're not allowed if you are if you are playing uh sorry if you are working at company x and then all of a sudden you're going to release results in a week, you're not allowed to trade within a week or two. I don't, I forget where it's at now uh, before those results come out. Yeah. And so you can't pre-trade. Now you are allowed and to know the trends, you could know that sales have been, <laughs> Oh, don't tell anybody really down. So you could bail on it two weeks in advance. They monitor that to see what the trends are. A bunch of staff just sold stock. I would consider that to be indicative, but if you're a player, do we have rules that says, by the way, these players can't make bets inside X hours before the game or during the game? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine a player goes to the dressing room at the second intermission and then sees there's a bet line for five hits in the first two minutes of the period? Mm-hmm. They make their bet. They text their buddy. They say, I'm going to get five hits in the first shift. You watch. Yeah. There's no there's no standard or rule that protects that. They're, they're, the leagues are trying to grapple with that, frankly, and uh, they're having a really hard time. 
uh, because it's it's not only their own official betting partners, there's also, of course, a parallel world of offshore betting folks, because the internet, of course, transcends national boundaries, it transcends regulation. Mm-hmm. And so even if they were able to crack down in every single book and say, you cannot put uh, you cannot hang a line on whether or not Shane is going to get five hits in this overtime period. There's nothing they can do to stop an, an offshore sports book from offering that same line. And so it is, it's incredibly difficult. Um, non-public information is, is the name of the game. And again, that, that asymmetry between what someone on the inside knows, even a journalist who's covering the team, uh, mm-hmm. ha- likely has access to information that could be used for betting. And maybe that journalist has a huge Twitter following. And frankly, they might even be sponsored by a gambling company. You know, I yeah. mean, they, they may well be the, the the company's gambling expert. They may talk about it's a really favorable line tonight on the game, based on my experiences as sports journalist. So, yeah, wh- where those where those red lines are um, is very fluid right now, and uh, unfortunately, I think there's going to be some pain before we figure that out. If we figure it out, because uh, yeah. it's um, yeah, yeah, there's there's it can happen so quickly. You know, a single, yeah. a, you know, single bet, single person compromise decision, and it can spin wildly out of control. Okay. So you imagine helmet sponsors in hockey that are like cashnowbetting.com or some makeup name um, that is literally on the helmet when you watch them, like the, some of the subliminal work that can be done inside that in itself. But you did say offshore, and I have one last question here, is that in, in that piece, the shame part, here's the difference between morality and integrity, okay? Morality is something someone told you should or shouldn't integrity is that inner thing that you have inside you that makes you feel like eh, not for me too much too little no one can tell you your integrity no one can know your integrity only tr- you can know your integrity well morality is usually a list of rules or expectations outlined by somebody else that you participate inside that's why shame comes in and failure yeah. when it comes to integrity if you let yourself down there's no one's going to beat you up worse than you once the shame in gambling kicks in, Keith, is it one of these things that um, you start to see that offshore, underground, secretive world creep in because people are trying to hide it more, uh, become more inconspicuous, and and the darkness, the dark rabbit hole starts to starts to kick in, or is it just appealing because it's different risk? No, I think you're absolutely right. So you go from betting two dollars a hole with your buddies, which is recreational mm-hmm. and social, and you can talk about it. As you start to develop a problem, you start to gamble alone, you start to gamble in isolation. The more types of activities you gamble on, the more likely you are to have a problem. And so when you start chasing these losses, when you start now betting on Venezuelan third division soccer, because that's the game that's on right now, you can get a bet down, uh, you know, at three o'clock in the morning, you, you're enormously remorseful. You know, you're you'd be completely embarrassed to tell your friends because you have no idea right. what's going on with Venezuelan third division soccer. You just know you've got to get a bet down. You either need that money. You can't. You know. You don't feel good unless you've got something in action. And the 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 bigger your losses go, the, you know, you feel like the biggest idiot in the world. And then you continue to lose more. It's it's that shame of not being able to stop yourself. It's the shame of not understanding why you're doing what you're doing. It's the shame of knowing it's hurting you and your loved ones, and still not being able to stop. And yeah. it's that persistence that serves us so well in every area of life. You know, if you're ambitious, if you're aggressive, if you're an entrepreneur, you're a risk taker, that that works as an athlete, that works as a business person, that works as a broadcaster. Those are just the traits that work against you when you're gambling because the house always wins. And the longer you gamble, the more likely you are to lose. And and it's so poorly understood that, that shame is such an enormous part of the consequences of gambling, the development of a gambling addiction, how deep people can get themselves into this. It's amazing. Um, scary. And I don't want it to, you know, it, it can be fun. Um, I think people need to know that when you have, uh, made up gambling name.net gamble for free today, mm. um, the made up gambling name.com, by the way, that they can link you to on the way they can't advertise the.com. They can only advertise the.net cause it's free, no risk, but you get to practice there. And then, by the way, here's if you want to make real money on the website, they can advertise there and then they'll switch you over to the dot com and you can spend real money. That's, by the way, one of the marketing reasons why everything is dot net and gambling, because that's not the real gambling site. That's the play money gambling site. Um, But banks do it. 
banks do it with your stock, your fake portfolios and your and everything else. And there's so much more to be had here, which include, Keith, am I missing anything? We've got banking, obviously banking and their use of this gambling technique for stocks. Mm. The general uh, third party company stocks like Robinhood, all those. Then there are stocks and shorts. We also have, um, what else? The, oh, video games. Crypto. You know, crypto. Crypto. I mean, that is that's a it's a terrible bet anyway. But yeah, that is absolutely gambling. You know, you're gambling okay. with your money, and, and you're you're gambling on your gambling. It's uh, it's it's incredibly uh, high risk. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, we got lots more to talk about. Well, it's good stuff. And again, the chance to have this conversation is is tremendous because I think um, these are the things that we've had for decades around uh, alcohol or or trading even yep. and smoking. Yeah, we've we we don't think about gambling in that same way. And so it's, I think it's high time we do. And it's just, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to be here with you on the shift and uh, to, to start to engage in this conversation. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I just want people to, I just want people to know, I, I mean, you, you're an adult, you can make your decision if you want to go gamble. I mean, you, you go do your thing. I, I just ask you, please, you know, be cautious or at least uh, do the study on the business before you buy stocks. That's right. That, that's all I'm saying is that go and do that. But I mean, if you're playing Candy Crush and you're getting soaked for a dollar, um, <laughs> Ryan shares a story about this tank warfare thing where he dumped all kinds of money into it. And, you know, just to get the van- vanity money on gambling. Oh, my God. Uh, to, to look different online. That's a whole other one. So yep. I just want people to know, just so you know, when you go do that, it's it's scripted there's a code there it's not randomized it's built to generate money it might be three out of five times the house wins but it's still three out of five times and if you don't know that then we're at a disadvantage that's terrible because by the way your government's profiting off it too and we need to know that so let's expose it for what it is and let people make their decisions and go have a good time right but let's at least stop the cloak and dagger and this this mask of ego that's wrapped around it because that's the part that hurts people, in my opinion. Keith, I appreciate you being here, bud. Thank you so much, Shane. Truly appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. 